Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Applying Promising Practices to Advanced Care of Medicare-Medicaid Enrollees with Dementia. This podcast is an excerpt from a webinar presented live on February 1, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Deborah Cherry, a clinical psychologist and executive vice president of Alzheimer's Greater Los Angeles, discusses the Dementia Cal MediConnect project. Let me thank all of you for being here today. Um, I'll be speaking about California's CalMediConnect project and the dementia work we're doing within it. That's our state's financial alignment pilot. And let me note that California has 1.1 million duly eligible people, but our pilot operates only in eight states, eight of them, I mean in eight counties, eight of the most populous counties in our state, with 11 participating health plans each of which receives a capitated rate to serve members with Medicare and Medicaid, both through their medical providers and through their long-term care providers. And these are usually Medicaid waiver providers, um, such as nursing homes and adult daycare. Since so much of quality dementia care is delivered in home and community-based long-term care settings, California viewed this pilot as an excellent opportunity to create systems of care with each of the health plans that could serve people with dementia in a more integrated manner and in their setting of choice, which is usually the home. Next slide, please. This project was supported um, through a number of funders. Let me particularly call out the Administration for Community Living's Alzheimer's Disease Supportive Services Program. Um, which has supported the project through a grant to the state of California and the John A. Hartford Foundation's Change Agents Dementia Caregiving Network for its remarkable support. Next slide, please. The Dementia CalMedi Connect project had five components. We started with advocacy with health plans, and that advocacy was done in stakeholder meetings, advisory committee meetings, and with our state as they planned our duels demonstration. We made the case for focusing on dementia care within this capitated system of care. Then with ACL support and foundation support, it, we, were made, we were enabled to do care manager training and support, to provide caregiver education and respite, support services for families, people with the disease and their families, through referrals to local Alzheimer's organizations, and increasingly, we've provided technical assistance to the health plans to help them provide better dementia care. Next slide, please. So when we started with the advocacy, we had to make a case for improving 
dementia health care. And one of the first things we pointed out is that the numbers of people with dementia are growing. And while it's estimated that 10 to 11% of people age 65 and older have dementia, like an Alzheimer's disease or another dementia, the prevalence amongst the dual eligibles is much higher, perhaps as much as 23% of duals age 65 plus have dementia, um, largely, we believe, caused by their comorbidities that put them at greater risk. And these are expensive people to serve, which is what we pointed out both to our state and to health plans. And if you look at the chart, you'll see that they cost Medicare three times more than other beneficiaries. They cost Medicaid 19 times more than other Medicare beneficiaries. And that is driven primarily by nursing home utilization. Sadly, even though they are an expensive population, this group faces many barriers to obtaining quality care. You can see them on my slide. There is very poor detection of dementia. Therefore, people do not get appropriate treatment and management. There's poor recognition of the essential role played by family caregivers, and there is awkward um, connection to home and community-based services. The dual eligibles pilot provides us all with policy levers that can help us to move quality care forward. We looked in California at our three-way contracts with between the states, CMS, and the health plans to find some of these levers. We also read all, all plan letters and tried to synchronize the goals of our project with the requirements in those directives. Next slide, please. So the project goal is creating a dementia-capable system or multiple systems of care because each health plan is different. And to do that, we had three goals. One, better detection and documentation of patients with dementia. Two, better partnerships with health systems and family, friend, you know, unpaid caregivers. And three, better partnerships with community-based organizations. Let's review these goals and how we tackled them one by one. Next slide, please. We're going to start with the first goal, better detection and documentation of patients with dementia. And it has to be noted that only about 50% of people with Alzheimer's disease, a major type of dementia, ever get a diagnosis. And only about half of these have it documented in their medical records. So to achieve better detection and documentation of patients with dementia, men members with dementia, we worked with the health plans to include a cognitive assessment question in their health risk assessments, to adopt a validated screening tool, to document the cognitive assessment in the medical record, and to establish a follow-up protocol for diagnosis if the cognitive screen was positive. And let me note that many times or several times health plans believed that they were doing a cognitive screen in their health risk assessments, but on further review, it was revealed that they were screening for behavioral health issues, schizophrenia, um, and other issues, but not really for cognitive impairment. Next slide, please. So there are challenges to the recognition of dementia, as I mentioned, a lot of health risk assessments don't include screening questions for cognitive impairment. Um, families in the duals pilot may be less likely to bring dementia to the attention of a physician. 
They may have a lack of understanding of the condition, may think it's a normal part of aging. There's a lot of stigma attached to this condition. And many times the providers they see who are from their own communities may share cultural views about dementia and help families hide or deny the disease. So we need backup ways to identify these individuals. Next slide, please. One of the ways, as mentioned, was the review of health risk assessment content um, and within a health plan or with, in partnership with a local Alzheimer's organization, you can um, do a review of a health risk assessment and make sure that there is some screening provided, a few questions that would then um, indicate the need for further screening. We, in our project, trained um, and provided technical assistance to care managers and others within health plans to encourage them to screen for dementia with a validated tool. This is not simply asking a family member if their relative has Alzheimer's, but it is actually to use a validated tool. We particularly selected, adopt, we adopted the AD8, um, which is an eight um, item tool that can be used by telephone, either with the patient or with a family member. And then we developed with um, plans and provide technical assistance to some health plans to develop a follow-up protocol. Um, these tools, each of the tools we'll be mentioning um, are available on our website, and we'll give you that link later. Next slide, please. So our next indicator of better quality dementia care was a partnership between health systems and family friend caregivers. Now, families caregivers are the backbone of our home and community-based long-term care system for people with dementia. Families fill in as the person declines, doing all um, a wide array of tasks. And it is essential for health plans to recognize the important role that they play in caring for members who have dementia. So we work with the health plans to help them identify a family caregiver, document it in the chart, and assess that caregiver's needs. But that wasn't enough. They also needed to think about how to provide the caregiver with education and support. Um, we had trained some dementia care specialists and had hoped that they would use plans that we had taught them to adopt um, so that they could provide more uniform care for these patients, these members, um, as well. Next slide, please. There were challenges to family-friend caregiver and are challenges to family-friend caregiver engagement. Medical providers may not have institutionalized systems that help them identify these individuals. They're trained to focus on the patient, not on the family or the caregiver. They may feel bound by HIPAA constraints not to engage with the family caregiver. But as a result of that, as the slide, items on the slide show, they have poorer management of comorbid conditions, um, especially complex and multiple comorbid conditions, which we often see amongst the duals. There's apparent noncompliance. Um, physicians may not understand why the person isn't doing what they told them to do. Um, there can be medication mismanagement. Um, behavioral symptom mismanagement, and you know this all may result in unnecessary hospitalizations, ER visits, and maybe even in nursing home placement. Next slide, please. So, 
for all those of us working as care managers or health care providers or for those of us who are advocates talk working with health plans we want to, we want to encourage that that family friend caregiver or sometimes multiple caregivers be documented in the electronic medical record or case ma- and or case management medical record so that multiple providers see who is providing what services to the person with dementia we provide in our website on our website which is listed on this slide tools for identifying a caregiver, identifying their needs, and from assessing some of their stress and strain. We also encourage that um, specialized or trained care managers provide care to people with dementia and to their families and that they use standardized care plans. Ours were derived from the um, evidence-based access program. Next slide, please. We also encourage them to be, health plans to link families to home and community-based services that are suitable for lower-income people. So most people with dementia do need some financial legal planning, and you have to find no-cost or low-cost planning in order to meet their needs because they can't afford elder care attorneys, for example. We also strongly encourage the delivery of um, education to family caregivers. And within the DUALS pilot, as you all know, the, um, a, the, the reading level um, for this training is supposed to be at sixth grade or lower. Um, we have developed some plain language fact sheets for a variety of common behavioral issues that come up in dementia. Next slide, please. Um, these fact sheets are available. This is an example of one in English and in Spanish, and later this year they will also be available in Chinese. Next slide, please. The third goal or indicator of our dementia-capable system was better partnerships with community-based organizations. Um, Many providers believe it is enough to give a family a list of numbers to call or even one number of a community-based organization. But frequently, families are so overwhelmed by care that they cannot take the step of making that phone call. So we encourage the adoption of a proactive referral tool that connects families to home and community-based services like respite care, support groups, caregiver education, um, care counseling. Our tool is called ALS Direct Connect, and it does connect families to local Alzheimer's organizations. Next slide, please. This is what our tool looks like. It is um, downloadable from our website and can be adjusted for use in your local community with local resources on it. But the key is that you ask the provider, um, ask the family if it would be okay if a local Alzheimer's organization gives them a call. And then an organization such as mine, Alzheimer's Greater Los Angeles, would make the phone call to the family and see what their needs are Um, try to meet those needs or arrange for those needs and give feedback to the provider. Next slide, please. There are challenges to having partnerships between community-based organizations and healthcare organizations. It often involves a culture change for both. Uh, Managed care organizations often expect you to be timely and provide feedback, and community-based organizations may not be HIPAA compliant. They may not have the capacity for large quantities of referrals. When we started getting referrals from our first health plan, it set our care counselors back with a waiting list of two weeks because we got everyone at once. 
So people have to consider where additional resources will come from to support the community-based organizations if they take on a large quantity of care for, for families from a managed care organization. And the partners need to invest some time in order to better understand each other's cultures, capacity, and services. Next slide. For the materials that we have developed, you can go to our website. Um, some of the things that we have on that website, which is on this slide, um, are sample health risk assessment questions and our training curricula, the ALS Direct form, a dementia care management toolkit that contains materials like um, a dementia screening tool and some caregiver identification and assessment tools, and a series of materials um, tools that can be helpful to you in help working with families to better manage some of the challenging behavioral symptoms that we see in dementia. Next slide, please. We also have a link on our website to three online training material, online training modules, which are available um, for a um, minimal charge, uh, an hour on fundamentals of Alzheimer's for healthcare professionals, effective strategies for managing behavioral symptoms of dementia, that's a two-hour module, and caring for the family caregiver. Um, these are um, set up to provide continuing education units, I believe, for nurses and social workers, um, possibly for others as well. Next slide, please. So with our promising practice, what have we learned so far? And I have to say we are, in, we are going into year four of what will be at least a five-year um, intervention. Um, knowledge gain, which was measured um, by, in our care managers from baseline to a six-month period, we saw that our care, trained care managers showed significant knowledge gain and that it was maintained through the six-month follow-up. We measured system change um, at, by asking the care managers to self-report how they had changed, how they deliver care in surveys done at pre, post, and six months. And we also kept a system change spreadsheet, which was completed by project staff um, on the word that was obtained of healthcare, um, health plan staff about improvements in care practices. Next slide, please. Based on the data collected from the care managers, there's a, there, we believe that the training did have an impact on care management practices. The purple line um, is um, baseline, and the six-month follow-up with care managers appears in orange for each of these care practices. And they showed um, self-reported improvements in um, encouraging families to get a formal diagnosis, um, determining whether they have an informal caregiver, that's an unpaid caregiver, trying to improve the caregiver, involve the caregiver in the care planning process, referring the patient to home and community place services um, and their caregiver the same, and referring people to Alzheimer's organizations. All of these improvements were significant, except for I usually involve the informal caregiver in the care planning process at the time of this data analysis um, that had not quite reached significance. But we are still delivering the training and collecting additional data, and we'll probably have final data in about a year to a year and a half. Next slide, please. Based on our system change spreadsheet, we've seen changes in 
Um, HRAs and three health plans, three have adopted the AD8 in their e-record keeping systems, all say they are identifying family caregivers, and two have formally adopted a measure of caregiver stress and strain. Five are offering respite, though we still question about how many are, uh, families are actually getting respite. And seven of the eight we've worked with so far provide caregiver education and referrals to us. Final slide, I want to give recognition to my wonderful team. Um, I want to encourage all of you. Um, one more slide. Next slide, please. I want to encourage all of you to go to our website, alzgla.org backslash professionals, to get some of these tools. And now let me turn the presentation over to Linda Wade from HealthNet Health Plan.